The Journey to Truth podcast is brought to you by Omnia Radiation Balancer. Omnia Radiation Balancer is a device that protects against the microwave radiation that we're bombarded with every day uh, from the cell phone towers, Wi-Fi routers, smart meters, all of it. Uh, Tim Sanders, who we've had on a previous podcast, has developed a solution that negates the threat to our vibrational body from these microwaves. Uh, it's a patch that you apply to any radiating device, such as a phone, laptop, uh, like I said, smart meter, microwave, Wi-Fi routers, all of it. And it's proven to reduce DNA damage, uh, reduce stress, headaches, anxiety. It helps improve blood circulation, immune system function, energy levels, sleep quality. Uh, there's a, a whole laundry list of stuff it does. Uh, for more information and to purchase one of these patches, click the link below at omniaradiationbalancer.com. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. Thanks for watching. Boom. Hey, welcome to Journey to Truth podcast. Tonight we are joined by Leon Isaac Kennedy. Leon is a writer, actor, producer, director. Some of you may recognize him from the movie Penitentiary from 1979 which I had not seen. Aaron and I just watched a few clips of it uh, prior to this. And uh, man, Leon, you were a badass. That's that awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was pretty cool, no. Uh, but uh, most recently, uh, he probably is best known now for producing and, and starring in The Cosmic Secret, the documentary which just aired on iTunes and Amazon and all that. So we're going to turn it over to you and let you uh, tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll go from there. Okay, well, first of all, it's good to be here with, with both of you. It's my pleasure and my honor. So with Cosmic Secret, we go back to, first of all, Above Majestic, and we go back to me working with great people, you know, working with David Wilcock, working with Corey Good, working with Roger Richards, working with, with Jordan and, and uh, Michael Sala, Dr. Michael Sala, and uh, so many people, uh, that were in Above Majestic. Um, and then people that segued into Cosmic. So first of all, it's it's wonderful to, to be around all these people, John D'Souza, and I could go on and on and on uh, because there were many, many people that made contributions. And how would I say this? Um, Above Majestic sort of hit you right boom, 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 with a lot of information. And that information might have been jarring to some people. Oh, yeah. But nevertheless, yeah. pardon me? I uh, disagreeing with you, yeah. But nevertheless, truth can be jarring. Disclosure can be jarring. Putting the pieces of a puzzle together can be jarring. Change, true change, is always very jarring. So Above Majestic could be jarring. If you didn't see it, I would suggest you see it because there was great information in there. Now with Cosmic, Cosmic sort of took that information and then shows you how to, from the inside, absorb things and change, if that's, if that's making sense. So one was from the outside, one is getting to the inside, and both of them are really great teaching tools. Yeah, and yeah. I like what you said. Um, you go into the movie, go into this documentary as a student, as, as more of just as opposed to entertainment, you know, you just because there's so much to learn and it takes more than one watch to really get in, take all that in because there is a lot of information there. Absolutely. You know, um, you, you mentioned some of my former films and most of my former films I was an action star so in penitentiary I was fighting my way out of the penitentiary in penitentiary one two and three body and soul Muhammad Ali the great Muhammad Ali when he was at the height of his popularity was kind enough to come and star in body and soul with me and taught me how to box uh, as a young boxer in that movie uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid with Chuck Norris David Carradine Chuck and I were the good guys. David was the bad guy in that, David Carradine. And I guess Chuck and I probably shot up and beat up probably 50 people. <laughs> and then a strange thing happened. I was really not just caught, but yanked into ministry. 
And that's when my spiritual journey began. Now, I was, I was always a spiritual person, but you know, Aaron and, and Tyler, you can be a spiritual person, I really know it. You know, yeah. I, as a little guy, a kid, I was always seeking God. I just didn't call myself a spiritual person. Um, I remember being four or five years old, people asked me, well, Leon, who is your hero? And I said, Jesus is my hero. That lasted till I was about 12. And, and then, you know, I thought, well, you know, that, that's not, that's not a, a good thing to say. So, you know, it was like, okay, I need to be more, um, it, it, it just seemed like you would get a lot of ridicule from that. So I, I didn't say that anymore, even though it was still in my heart. And I was always a truth seeker because I remember as a kid, they had comic books. And in those comic books, you could join the Rosicrucians. <laughs> in the comic books but they said you know john kennedy and benjamin franklin and other people were rosicrucians and they got to go into the supernatural and learn more and they got more wisdom and more mm -hmm. enlightenment so i said well i want that and so i clipped out the coupon and sent away and they wrote back saying i was too young to to join at that time so i was always seeking um, if maybe I didn't know it, but I was always seeking and I was always fascinated with the supernatural. I was always fascinated with the unknown. And then, you know, you go through different cycles. So then you start trying to figure out who you really are as a person. You're growing up, you're a teenager, then you're a young person, uh, trying to get your career together and all those things. But all of I was still a spiritual person, even though I maybe did not express it. And I was still seeking truth all along, all along the journey. I remember years ago, and now we're talking about uh, maybe 1971, 72, before two of you were born. But I was a, the youngest producer over at NBC. And I told them, I said, I want to do uh, a whole show on the ETs. And they said, Leon, nobody's gonna wanna see that, it's too far out, and so on and so forth. But I finally convinced them, and I got Stanton Friedman, the great Stanton Friedman, nice. uh, to be on the show, and many other people to be on that particular show. So way back in the 70s, I was into this arena and, and trying to put fact and truth out so did you, um, have you ever had any actual ET experiences yourself, uh, you know, earlier on or even recently? <laughs> if you don't mind uh, answering that, I'm curious. Well, I'll share a story with you that I've, I've never shared this one publicly. My family knows this, but, but the public doesn't. So you're getting an exclusive. Nice. I was probably, oh, maybe nine, 10 years old. And back then, I never could figure this out, guys. The, the high school kids, now this is Cleveland, Ohio, okay? So Cleveland, Ohio is cold and dreary uh, uh, for a long time. You know, you, you got cold, yeah. dreary autumn, and the winters can be brutal. I don't know if you remember the, the, uh, the story, Christmas, Christmas Story, the movie. They show yeah. it every Okay, they do marathons with Christmas Story. When you see that little kid dressed up like a, a space cadet with the heavy hood and the goggles and the, the suit and the boots and all that, and he's walking like a penguin, that's real. That's how we had to dress up in Cleveland to go out and to meet that blizzard condition. So I never could figure this out. The high school kids got to stay in high school for lunch. The junior high kids got to stay in junior high school for lunch. And yet the little kids, the kindergartners to the sixth grade, we had to go 
to school, to elementary school. And then at 12 o'clock, come all the way home for lunch, have lunch, and then go all the way back to school. So we had to make the trip twice as much as the older kids. I never could understand that, and we were too young to complain. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So we're waddling out in, in that cold weather. So I'm setting up the story. So this particular day, I and my, my brother John are coming home for lunch, and I've, I've got a friend with me. And uh, we all of us were latchkey kids back then, even before the uh, phrase latchkey kids was ever invented. In other words, you had your key to the house hanging in a, with a chain around your neck. Parents weren't there because they were working. And you'd come home and fix your own lunch. So that particular day, I go to open the door. And as we go to open the door, inside the house, we hear these voices. Now, that was bad enough because nobody was supposed to be there. But these voices were talking in but they were talking way much faster than anybody could talk. And it couldn't have been anyone's imagination because none of us looked at one another. We just, I mean, none of us said anything. None of us said, did you hear that? Instead, we went like that, and all three of us started running out the door at the same time. Okay, so we get outside the door, and I'm still, uh, you know, composed because I'm thinking this is a TV commercial. Uh, somebody has their TV on uh, loud. So I'm standing outside and I'm listening. Nothing. Silence. So that shook us up. W what was this voice? What was this inside? We don't know. We're shook up. We didn't eat lunch that day. <laughs> really? <laughs> so we go back to school. Now we come home. This was not a good day. Because as I came home, I'm, I'm really getting off script here, guys, but you are getting an exclusive. That is the same day that's, that Superman killed himself. It's on the front page. Uh, what was his name? George Reeves? Yeah. George Reeves had played Superman on the Superman series, had supposedly shot himself in the head. So this is on the front page of the evening paper. So now you've already heard voices that afternoon. Now you see that your hero, Superman, has shot himself in the head. It was not a good day. A bad day. For a young kid. So we're not going home. We're not going in the house. We're going to go someplace else until our mother gets home. So we go to a friend's house. And once again, as a young kid, you want to say something to an adult to get a little encouragement. So her name was Mrs. Hill. And I said, Mrs. Hill, when we uh, got home uh, for lunch, we heard voices inside, but they were talking real, real fast. And we don't think that they were normal voices. You know, uh, Ronnie said they might have been aliens. And she said, oh, that's nothing. We, we get visited by ETs all the time. <laughs> wow. Matter of fact, I've been abducted. <laughs> wow. I, I said, what? Excuse me? I, I, didn't know, I didn't know what being abducted meant. Yeah. So then she told me all types of stories. She told me a story about a one vision that would come into her room, but it was almost like electrical. It was like um, neon sign lights all through the body and so on and so forth and, and the glow and all that. So she told me many, many stories that day and and the rest of uh, the rest of several days. So I don't really know how to take all this. But that was my beginning of, of hearing about ETs. And then I started reading different books and quite frankly at that point, I was no longer afraid. I thought it would be so great to meet one and become friends. I'm wondering all the great things that they could tell me. And then as I got older, I also said, if I was just 
totally rich and never had to do anything else in life but whatever I wanted, what would you do, Liam? And I said, you know, I think I would just spend all my time traveling and investigating the unknown. And so now to be in this circle where daily there's all types of information coming in, and then also with my spiritual background that I have gained throughout these decades, it's a fascinating adventure. So that's a long uh, winded answer to your question. Well, no, it's perfect. There's no, it's no accident why you're here today doing this. I mean, you were introduced to it so young. Uh, and, and I mean, from my understanding, aliens and alien abduction was like pretty taboo back then. They, people, a lot of people didn't talk about it. So to be having that discussion with your teacher, uh, that was, you know, happened for a reason, obviously. Yeah, and then I, I got fascinated by things like uh, the, the hills, uh, Betty and Barney Hill, and, and yeah. when I first heard about uh, what happened to them. But see, the fact that they could have a regression and then draw a constellation that people could not see without one of the most powerful of telescopes, then how do you explain that? How, how do you explain the Dogen? Uh, here's a tribe, now they're telepathic. They really had much of the same knowledge that the ancient Egyptians had, but they had not been studied as much because they didn't have the riches that the Egyptian culture had. But now how did their shaman know about this star and the density of that star? And how would they people that weren't even um, versed as far as reading history, much less constellations and so on and so forth. How did they know how to draw a certain constellation and show that particular star? How did that shaman, and they were able to pass it down generation after generation, know that, okay, in this 70-some year cycle, this star is gonna be closer in its orbit? There is knowledge that, that we get that is unexplainable. Yeah, and yeah. if I'm not mistaken, that constellation that he drew was actually, if you were looking at it from the other side, not yes. from Earth, but you're right. looking at it towards Earth. So th- that right there just like puts the icing on the cake for that particular case. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I wanna touch on Uh, Something that happened in Hawaii uh, at Cosmic Waves. Uh, So, you you know, aside from the movie and the producer, you're also a healer. And down in Hawaii, you performed what you call spiritual surgery. And honestly, it was the best part of the trip for me because I was sitting down with my notepad ready to take notes like I was for all the speakers. And within minutes, the entire room was bawling their eyes out, crying, but in a good way. I received a powerful healing that changed me forever. And I wanted to thank you for that for one. And I want you to explain, you know, because you bring the whole new aspect of something to this community that we hadn't had before and we need so bad. So if you want to touch on some of that. Sure, I'll I'll, I'll be glad to touch on it and explain it. But before we do that, I'm very interested because I always like to see what the power of the Holy Spirit did. So, and, and for those watching, can you explain a little bit about what you experienced? What, what, first of all, what you felt happened in the room and then what you actually experienced for yourself? You started talking and, and what, I think at one point you brought us back to our childhood. I, I, I don't remember exactly because it was so emotional, but what, I, what happened to me was like, Uh, some past trauma from when I was a child that I didn't even know I was suppressing came to the surface and was shown to me in my mind like a photograph and it was it was it as something I knew I had to release and I knew I had to heal and I was down at cosmic waves for information not for healing you know so it was Mm -hmm. totally caught me off guard and I couldn't help but to cry I was I was releasing the suppressed trauma this you know this stuff that had been I had no idea that I was holding back. 
mm-hmm. and it allowed me to advance spiritually and just in life in general. Uh, and that's in a nutshell what happened. And when you say you were changed forever, explain that. Uh, it seems like we get to a point in life to where we just like, we hit a dead end and you just can't, you, you don't know where else to go. Think, you, you, know, you know what you want to do, but things don't always work out. Uh, mm-hmm. and I had no idea that that was what was holding me back. So mm-hmm. after, after that trip, it just seemed like all the pathways were open. Like I could just, the door was open and I knew exactly what I had to do. And we started a podcast and all this stuff just started aligning. And it just seemed like that was, that was the one thing that was holding me back. So, you know, that, that's so great to hear Tyler, because actually what happened since then is you've accelerated. And that's the great thing about the Spirit of God, that it can make moves in your life. It can do, it can accelerate things in your life that normally might take five years, 10 years to do. Now it takes you only six months to do it because of this acceleration. You know, they they say that the anointing breaks yokes, but the anointing can also transpose a life. Uh, I can talk about in the Bible, there was King, there was Saul, and Saul was a nobody, but he got anointed to be king, and then all of a sudden, miraculously, he was a king. So, just to go back, you asked me to explain what's, what happened. Uh, I studied very hard for the mystical and the supernatural aspects of Christianity. In other words, if, if we're related to God, if we're sons and daughters of the Most High God, then we should be actually different than, than other people once we realize who and what we really are. And if I study the life of Jesus, Well, he would teach, he would preach, but he also would heal, and he would deliver. Now, people called what he did signs and wonders and miracles, but he simply called it, I'm doing my father's business. So it was an everyday occurrence for him to heal and to get people set free. And so many times, if you tap into the supernatural, then it's no longer the supernatural. It becomes an everyday occurrence for you once you learn. Now, it's the same thing to an extent when it comes to science. Let's take uh, the law of electricity. Well, before people were stumbling around in the dark when they were cavemen, stumbling around in the dark, they were cold and, and so on and so forth. Why? Because they had not discovered the law of electricity. So once you discover the law of electricity and know how to use it, now, it's important to know how to use it because that same electricity can heat your home, light your home, run your appliance, or electrocute you, depending on how you use the law and how much you know about the law. So it's the same thing now in the spiritual. There's great power, great power, if we learn it. So... Uh, When we go out and minister to people, we try to take people from one level to another. So if a person is stuck, we do a spiritual cleansing to get them set free. Now, it depends on how far you want to go. There are negative forces out here. There are dark forces out here. Whether people want to admit it or not, there are. It's like people don't want to admit gravity. Well, gravity's still going to work on you, whether you would uh, say it's around or not. So it's the same thing when it comes to dark forces or negativity. So sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's very overt. But I think that everybody from time to time needs what I'll call a spiritual cleansing. So I can call it a spiritual cleansing. I can call it a spiritual detoxification. I can call it being set free, uh, depending on how far you want to go. Some people can call it deliverance. 
Um, if it's really, really overt with negative things, uh, you know, the Roman Catholic Church gets into exorcism, but it's all within that same realm. It's getting a person free from that negative and that darkness. And it took a lot of training. It took a lot of uh, prayer time. It took a lot of hanging out with God. What do you mean by that, Leon? It means that many, many times for days, not just an hour, but for days, I would just be alone, but not really. In other words, I was alone, but with the Spirit of God, really praying and really listening and really uh, trying to learn and hear. And, and then if there was someone that um, excelled in prayer, or if they excelled in what we do, whether you call it deliverance or being set free, I would get with them and study with them and, and be part of their services just to learn. Uh, I would sit in on, on healing services where I really saw people be healed, not just here in America, but in Africa or other places in the world. I traveled all around the world, guys, to learn because I was hungry to learn. In other words, when I, when I left Hollywood, and I left Hollywood, I was in a pretty good place. You know, it's, it's hard to make it in Hollywood. So many people, it's called the dream factory. So many people come to this city with great aspirations. They come by plane, they drive, they come by uh, train, Greyhound bus, but they come with their dreams and their aspirations. And unfortunately, most of them don't make it. And this town can really kick one in, in the rear very severely. I, I've seen people very traumatized. I've seen people come in full of ego and ambition and they end up leaving uh, sometime with nothing. I've seen certain people come and in five years, 10 years, they look 40 years older because of the ravages of what this city can do to a person. I've seen people completely beat down. So to make it is difficult. So when I was doing my films, all of my films were very successful. They all made uh, money, they were popular. I was box office all around the world, not just here in America. So that's a lot to walk away from, especially if it's something that you wanted to do and worked hard to do it since you were a kid. So if I'm gonna be in ministry, then I, I wanted to really excel and, and really help people. It was not about having a title. I never used titles. It was not about being big in ministry. I would literally sneak into cities. By that I mean no PR, no publicity. I didn't want movie star comes to so-and-so venue or movie star comes to so-and-so church. I didn't want that. I just wanted to come in and let God show off and change people's lives. So I worked very hard to, to learn these things. And then it would be so rewarding to just be able to come in and set an atmosphere. I call it setting an atmosphere for miracles. It's a certain way of praying. It's a certain way of intending. It takes prayer work before you even get there. But in setting that atmosphere for miracles, and then the power of the Holy Spirit comes in. And after that, anything can happen. And you know when that power is there because it could be hundreds of people and each one of them has had their own individual experience. In other words, Tyler, what you were going through was just for you. And with the person next to you on the right and left and the person behind you and in front of you, they were going through something 
that was just personal to them. But guess what? The Spirit of God knew what each one of you needed. So it's wonderful to be part of that. Yeah, and, and that's what felt like happened. The whole, like you said, the whole atmosphere changed and you just become emotional without even knowing why I was, I didn't even know why I was getting emotional, but then, it, then I soon realized. Uh, but yeah, it's powerful stuff. And I, I, if it's at all possible, I think that you should, you know, keep doing that at conferences because especially people in this community, you know, we're so, we're so uh, sectioned off. We feel like we're not part of the, the real world anymore or the matrix. Um, it feels like, you know, we're outcasted or something. So there is a lot of healing that needs to be done because we've dealt with a lot. So if I, I urge you to keep going and doing that. Well, well, thank you for that. You know, I, I have to thank Roger Richards because he is the one that, uh, that set that up with, with Joan Ocean. And I said to Roger, I said, you know, uh, Roger, I don't know if I'll really be accepted in this community um, with this type of ministry because my ministry background is, is Christianity and there are so many people in the metaphysical community that they're turned off by any form of religion. I said, but by the same token, as I've sat in on these conferences, see, that, that's another thing. I can, I can be around a person and pick up on their energy. I can walk into a room, and it, in that room, there might be hundreds of people in that room. And even the person in the back of the room, I can still feel their energy. And then spirit is telling me and showing me what they need. So saying that, I had been to many conferences and I could, I could feel what people needed. And it was mm -hmm. like, okay, but how do I get it to them? How do we get it to them? So Roger encouraged me. He said, you know, uh, really Leon, it's just terminology that keeps a lot of people apart. He said, so if you're, if you're just a little more careful in the terminology that you use in expressing things, he said, then they'll, they'll get it. This community will get it. And he said what you said, Tyra. It's very much needed. So I, uh, <laughs> going to Jones, I, I had a lot of uh, apprehension because I didn't know how things were going to go. And I didn't want her to say, oh my goodness, I brought Leon in here and you know, it was, it was a disaster. And uh, I, I just did a lot of praying about it. And I tiptoed through it because I didn't turn the power up too high because sometimes the power can get so high, people just start falling out. Uh, we call it the anointing. It's like, the anointing is like, I call it God's electricity. It, it's so, you know, the elect, an electrical force can just knock you down or knock you out. But something happens good when, when this hits you. So I didn't want that to happen because I didn't want to scare people. I've, I've been in services where some people have run out of the room because it was like they, they didn't know what was happening. They, they, they couldn't take it. Um, so I've had to learn how to adjust certain things, but the, the meeting, that particular meeting went very well and, and Joan was happy and she said, Leon, you know, it was phenomenal. Everybody really got a great help and a great blessing. And then, um, Corey and Adrian invited me to do, uh, DOD and, uh, that went extremely well. So yes, we do want to do a lot more. Uh, within this metaphysical community, which is which is now my community. Yeah, that's beautiful too. Uh, I noticed in Hawaii also you got in and swam with the dolphins too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was that was quite an experience. Um, what an experience, really, to be in the ocean and and swim with uh, not just a dolphin. At uh, at an aquarium or something, 
but live dolphin and a whole school of them come by and you can hear the clicks and you can hear the sonic uh, ways that they're talking to one another, Tyler and, and Aaron. And it's, it, it was just an amazing, amazing um, experience is the only way I can put it. And especially for someone that doesn't really swim. <laughs> now, Maureen, my other half, teases me all the time because she's the swimmer, and she teases me all the time. Well, Leon, you know, you're, you're a grown person, and you don't swim. And I said, well, Maureen, let me explain something to you. You were raised near Santa Monica. You went to the beach during summer vacation all the time, almost every day. You learned to body surf, your, your brothers were surfers. You, you learned all that. I was a kid that grew up and we had Lake Erie. And when <laughs> I was a kid, Aaron, they would tell little kids, don't go into Lake Erie, it's too dirty and you'll get polio. <laughs> oh man. So that's why I never learned to swim. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we're in St. Louis actually, yeah. so. We got the Mississippi River. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So about uh, I know, Aaron, you wanted to ask him, we were talking earlier. Did you want to ask him uh, what you were um, talking about? Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to know. So I know you, you got called into ministry, you say, is how you kind of um, started initially your spiritual work, so to speak, and left Hollywood. And um, But I was kind of curious more the details of how you went from that to to getting into this whole community. Um, and I know you said you you watched Ancient Aliens when it was airing and that's how you knew about David Wilcock or- um, Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so was that kind of your introduction more into like the that whole world or were you already kind of into ETs and- um, No, no, you know, as I explained earlier, uh, Aaron, I've I've been studying E.T. and uh, the supernatural and disclosure and all these things all my life. Now, as, as far as ancient aliens, Kevin Burns, who is the creator and, and executive producer of Ancient Aliens, is a good friend of mine. Um, I've, I've known and been friends with Kevin for over, I guess, 30 years. As a matter of fact, I was in his office as he was on the phone making the initial deal and, and talking about that um so that's that's how far back i go with ancient aliens and it's one of my favorite shows i've seen every single uh, episode over and over and david was always outstanding and i was at a an academy award party and i'm walking around and saying hello to some friends and so on and so forth. And lo and behold, sitting over there on a couch by himself at the time was, <laughs> was David. And I walk up and I say, aren't you David Wilcock? And he gives me a big David Wilcock smile. And he said, yeah, and we, we started talking. And I was taking some friends out to dinner after the uh, Academy Awards and I, I invited David to go and he came with us. And we started talking. We talked for hours, and we've been great friends ever since. And it's really God connecting the dots. So I became great friends with David, and then you know met Corey, and then met Roger, and then uh, met Jordan, and Dr. Michael Sala, and John DeSouza, and Laura Eisenhower, and you know we, yeah. we just on and on and on. Met Tyler, met Aaron, and. Um, you know, it, it's it's wonderful how how God has been connecting the dots. And to take it a step further, I never knew if I was going to come back into Hollywood to to do anything as far as writing and producing. I paid no attention to Hollywood for many years, over a decade and a half. And then when Spirit put it in my spirit maybe now about three years ago. Leon, it's time now for you to come back to Hollywood. Use Hollywood as a platform to do good and use the money to do good. And so I said to uh, Maureen, well, been released to 
come back and we're going to just follow God's marching orders. So we started saying, okay, we're going to do films that are transformational films. What do you mean by that, Leon? Films that are still highly entertaining, films that are profitable, because if you have an investor, you want them to get their money back and, and a return on their money. But films that are transformation. In other words, films that contain the nuggets of truth that will change an individual's life and that will touch an individual's life and that will change society. So we started gearing up with some scripts that um, are going to be turned into major motion pictures that are going to be really good. Um, and then the documentaries that we're lining up to do, um, all of them are in this format of transformational. Possessing the airwaves as a force for good is our model. So if you look at Above Majestic, it falls into that category. It had truth that most people don't know. It has truth that if you can take it and apply it to your life, and Tyler, you, you said it, you repeated something I had said before. When you look at Above Majestic, when you look at Cosmic Secret, you don't come just for entertainment. You need to look at it as a student two, three times and get out of it all that you can get out of it, even take notes if you have to. And then the next step always is, how do I apply this to my life? How do I take this knowledge and apply it to my life so that I can be a better person, so that I can extend this by sharing it with others? For example, Cosmic Secret. I think it would be a great Christmas present. Why? Because all of us know people that we would like to share some of this knowledge with, but with some of these people, it's hard to have that conversation. You know, we start that conversation and it's like we get a little shy or we start this conversation and they back off a little bit. Or with some people it's like, no, maybe I don't wanna go there with a friend, with family, with office people. But what if you just had a copy of Cosmic Secret and said, here, take this, it's my gift to you. Take a look at it, watch it for five minutes. And if it resonates to you, keep watching. If it doesn't, no harm. That would open up a conversation, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. That's a great idea actually. Yeah. <laughs> I have to do that. Hey, yeah, start giving every, all my family, if the one of you who's listening, expect that gift. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I don't think it's any any mistake that you are here allowing this information to spread worldwide to new audiences, uh, because that's you're the key player in this. As far as I'm concerned, we needed somebody from Hollywood who has connections and who knows what to do as far as making all the right moves to get this information out there. Because otherwise, you know, it's a struggle. So I see you as like paving the way for this. Uh, this information getting worldwide and uh well well thank you for that tyler i really feel that it's a calling of god to do this as i said i see all the dots being connected um and i really think that that we have to have our own what, what do i mean i mean that this truth-seeking community that wants to do good and that wants to change the world for the better I think that we have to have our own money. Right now, I'm in the process of uh, putting money together to do motion pictures uh, because you can't go hat in hand to the establishment, the same establishment that may be trying to censor you. you they're not going to do your project. You can't go to uh, banksters and expect them to give you money to fund you when you are exposing certain things and bringing out certain truths. So we have to have our own money. We have to have our own writers, our own stories, and our own way of 
putting them out and supporting them. So that's what I'm in the process of, of doing now is lining up some of the movies, lining up other documentaries, putting, putting money together so that we can, can do this and be self-contained. And that makes perfect sense. Um, and if you ever need any extras, you know, you have my phone number. So. Same. <laughs> well, you know what? Both of you are naturals. Oh. So, uh, I'm, I'm sure there will be some, some parts in there for you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It'd be amazing. Yeah. So I know you didn't want to go too much further than, uh, than we've gone now. Are you okay with the time or? Do you want yeah, to we can do, we can do a couple other questions and, and then I'll bid adieu. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, so as far as I know, we're, we're, while we're on this whole Hollywood and cosmic secret, you said you have future plans for more doc, more documentaries and films. Uh, is there a timeline on when we can expect maybe the next one to be rolled out? Are you comfortable talking about that or do you know? Uh, I would just say that more things would be coming out in, in 2020. Okay. Uh, I, you know, when, when you're putting together a slate of things, sometimes you're not really sure what's going to come out first, but there will be documentaries and there will be movies. Yeah, that's, and I, I know we got a sneak peek of uh, the 20 and back movie in uh, Hawaii, the rip reel or whatever. Yes. Mm -hmm. so I don't know what the timeline is on that, but I'm extremely excited about that. I got that gave me chills and it was just a rip reel. So, yeah, that's a that's a great story. That's from uh, uh, certain uh, excerpts of Corey's life story. So there's that movie and then there's a, a, a television series. So that's very exciting. It would be very, very entertaining. And um, then there's several other projects that um, that would be coming down the pipe. Yeah, and we all know Corey receives a lot of backlash and all this stuff. What, what kind of backlash are you receiving from any of this, if any? Or is it all positive? Well, when you are dealing in uh, spiritual warfare, like like I do on a daily basis, then there's always backlash. Uh, so I, I've got to divide it in two ways here. One is um, Corey and David and some of the other people, they're getting more and more exposure now. In other words, in, in the old days in the metaphysical community, they didn't get as much exposure. But now with ancient aliens and now with social media and some of the other outlets, these people that have been in the trenches are getting more exposure. So as you get more exposure, you become a star within a certain, within a certain niche. And with stardom comes good things and comes nutcases and stalkers mm -hmm. and lots of other things. Now, target. Yeah. yeah. So because I've been in show business since I was 15, I'm used to it. In other words, as a disc jockey, um, back east, they don't have movie stars. So big time disc jockey, you are the star. So even at 16, 17, you know, I've had shirts torn off me and things like that. Then as a movie star, you know, I've always had people trying to get to my house or um, people coming, trying to get to your hotel room and, and so on and so forth. And you, you just get used to it. And one of the things that I tell the guys when they get maybe a little upset, well, you know, somebody doxed, docked me and doxed me and, and you know, my, my house is, my address has been put out for the public. And I say, well, wait a minute. Imagine if you're a Hollywood star and there's someone on the corner selling maps to your home. <laughs> yeah, and that happens. <laughs> But everybody knows. Imagine when the tour bus comes by and says, right there, that's where he lives. You know, <laughs> so it just, unfortunately, it comes with the territory. So that part, I've just always, uh, you know, you, you just learn how to, how to deal with it. Then when it comes to the spiritual part, when you have a, a deliverance 
ministry, um, you, you're dealing with the dark side all the time as far as the hits. So, Leon, what do you do? I have to stay prayed up. I pray two hours a day. It keeps me on a certain level. It keeps me with a certain force shield that some of those fiery darts, some of those negative hits really can't get through. And then you get used to it, guys. In other words, you get to a point, and I said this in, in one of, I, I think it was DOD when I was speaking to the audience. I said, what so many of you are going through, don't take it personal. It really has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the calling on your life. In other words, if you are called to be a light warrior, if you're called to be the light in your family, if you're called to be the light wherever you go, then the dark side doesn't like that. So their job is to keep you beat up and battered so that you never reach your potential. Because once you reach your potential, you are such a mighty force and they don't want that force, which is you, that force, which is every single one of you that is watching, that can change the world one life at a time. So if we learn not to take it personally, that helps. And then when you start to study it the way I have and you become experienced, then you learn that in so many instances, we're dealing with proxies, aren't we? I'm a proxy for the Holy Spirit. He wants to talk to someone today, talk through me. You want to love on someone today, do it through me. You want to encourage someone today, I'm your proxy, do it through me. Well, the dark side has proxies too. So they'll try to influence people to be negative. They'll try to influence people to be the back stabbers and the gougers and the this and the that. So many people, they're doing things and they don't even know why. Mm -hmm. They become a proxy. So when you learn these things, then it's like a giant spiritual chess match. Okay, the negative did this. I see it. It's coming through this person, but I'm not taking it personally with that person because it's not really Bill doing it. It's the negative using Bill right now. So they're coming at me with this, so therefore I have to do that. This deal didn't work because they tried to block it, so now I have to do this. Boom, boom, boom. It's a spiritual chess match, if that makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's fantastic advice, too. It, it, it's true, because sometimes I wonder, like, God, how can somebody be so rude or hateful? But you're mm -hmm. right, might not truly be them. It's, it's an attachment working through them. Well, it's because uh, I, I truly believe underneath everyone's egos and unhealed traumas and wounds, there's love and there's, and there is a good heart underneath everything and everyone. And, um, but so many people are operating from this unconscious place of their traumas and wounds and, and their, and their ego attachments and everything else. So when that stuff gets triggered or threatened, they're acting from that place rather than their true selves really is the way I've come to understand it. So, you know, Aaron, that, that's a very good way and a very mature way of, of putting it because one of the things that I teach so often is that people's impressions and people's reaction, it's not even your current reaction. Your reaction is from your trauma. The reaction that you had today, some of you, is from trauma from 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, and that's what's triggering you to react this way or reject something right now today in 2019, soon to be 2020. So if you can get rid of that trauma, your reaction is going to be totally different. People are fighting old battles over and over and over, and they don't even know it. Absolutely. Which also might be the reason why a lot of people reject a lot of this information. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I'm 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 connecting dots right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, uh, it's a good, it's a good point. Yeah, it's it's true. 
you're you're reacting to something just like I was before Hawaii. You know, you don't you don't realize it until you take care of it, and then it unlocks that door. So yeah, because because your spiritual eyes have opened more, so now you can see more, or your your spiritual enlightenment has expanded so now you can understand more then comes in some wisdom and so you can deal with something in a whole different way than you would have dealt with it before absolutely and don't get caught up in politics either yeah (laughs) i i don't imagine that you do if you spend two hours a day praying i'm sure you don't waste any time with all this crap that we're seeing right now, you know, surf on the surface. Well, level. you see it for what it is. Yeah, you see you, it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah, you you see it for what it is. You don't get caught up in it, and um, you 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 end up with your own calling. In other words, as I'm starting my day, as I said before, I always open myself up as a vessel, and it's like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to deal with this person, et cetera, et cetera. So you'll get your own individual marching orders. And if you do that, you don't really have time to be caught up in things that you shouldn't be caught up in. And then I also pray, Lord, let me see life and people and the world through your eyes, your heart, your spirit. So if I'm looking that way, then uh, first of all, I'm not reacting on a personal level. And my heart opens so much because if I'm looking at you through God's eyes, he loves you. And he's showing me the best in you. And he's making me love you. And it's very humbling, guys, because then you realize, like, we have a terrible, terrible homeless epidemic here in America. And it just brings tears to my eyes because I can't help all of them. But for any human beings to have to say that our homeless are living in these United States of America is shameful. It's an atrocity. Absolutely. And when I look at them through God's eyes, I know that he loves that person who's laying in the street, maybe now not even in their right mind, maybe now with a stench to them. And yet I know that spirit loves him and her as much as he loves me. So it keeps you humble when you walk looking through God's eyes and looking through God's heart. So just to close things up, back to Cosmic Secret for a moment. What is the big message? The big message is loving God's way and being of service to others. It's so simple, and yet it's so hard for most people to do. What, what did Jesus say? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're all connected. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing, is realizing that we're all one, uh, because we're obviously living in a program that tells you otherwise, you know, that teaches you otherwise. So to come to that realization, then you start realizing, you know, like you said, uh, service to others is really service to yourself because how you treat others, it's, and, and you know, mm. the whole karma thing. and all Essentially that. all the creator experiencing himself through each and every one of us. And, uh, and like the law of one, that's where that kind of ties in to that. Cause it says, if, when you see another, you see, you're seeing the creator and another um so whatever you do to another you're doing to yourself because there is no other ultimately in, in a certain level so it's like you know and this is where it starts to get you know certain people um because i used to be very christian i grew up very very christian actually and 
a lot of the things I, I see and believe now I would have thought <laughs> was blasphemy or, you know, uh, nonsense or, or even evil uh, back in the day. But now I see um, it's just a greater perspective or, or a different perspective on the same uh, things within Christianity, really, ultimately. And um, yeah, and it's like, why you know you look at the world and it's so screwed up because we all because so so many people think they're all alone and they think um everyone's separate and they're alone and there's uh you know there's no greater purpose or meaning to anything there's no love you know out there they don't know about the creator they don't know about god or that there's this loving um, whatever you, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, 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 it exists until and, they meet Leon. And yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. but it's so, it's, it's so real, but you don't know until you experience it. Yeah. And it's, that's the thing. It's like, you can't come to it by, by, uh, knowledge alone, by just, uh, you know, researching. Re, yeah. 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 Like yeah. logic and reasoning. It's right. like, you gotta experience it in your heart. And Aaron, um, no scholar could have said it better. You can't, you can't get into spirit with head knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's really spirit to spirit, heart to heart. And it really takes humility. Uh, one of the problems is that so many people think they know everything. And they don't. None of us do. But more of an atrocity is they're not willing to learn. They're not willing to explore. If we have the courage to learn and to explore, then we can evolve into new information, even in the spirit realm. Mm -hmm. What you're saying, Aaron, is um, certain things that perhaps you were taught in your Christian walk that were blasphemous. But then if we study more, we might learn that the early church, and I'm talking about the church in the 1300s or whatever, um, put in so many restrictions because they want it to be the big deal. They didn't want the individual to really learn yeah. about God. So they made him this far off entity that you can't get to that you can't know that you can't experience they're judging everyone but it's oh, angry yeah yeah you know, angry and so they made it so you have to go through us you have to pray through us mm. we're the only ones that are privileged to to know this higher knowledge and so we've learned that what they so many things that they said is not correct Absolutely. and it was just it was just a way to harness people and really enslave people but in a different way yeah so by learning and studying you grow you evolve and then eventually you change so i think that that's a a good note to leave things off on uh but before i go i want to applaud the two of you for having this show coming together and sharing this show and this type of knowledge with your audience. I pray that your audience grows and expands. For those of you that are watching this show, I want to applaud you because there are so many things I love about this community. But one of them is your courage, that you're out here on the front line willing to learn willing to explore, willing to pry into things, not just going along with the norm. And that takes courage. It takes courage to be different. And so I applaud you and I send love to all of you. Well, thank you, thank you so much. And I don't think we could have closed it up any better than you just did. So. Yeah. Uh, We'll go ahead and end things on that note. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Uh, it was awesome. Thank you for uh, giving us your time. 
and sharing everything. The ET experience that we got we got to hear for the first time is pretty cool. Uh, and for our listeners, if you know we hear about this YouTube thing coming up on December 10th, if we get shut down, uh, you can find us over on BitChute, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of it. So there's other places aside from YouTube if something does happen. So uh, look for us there. Thank you for coming on and thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Thanks, Leanne. My pleasure. That was